And uh, if the rest of us please could turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians and chapter 8 and verse 10. Now, I had been thinking that I would speak this morning from verses 10 to 15, which is, if you, which is why if you've got the note on your phone about the service this morning, you'll see that, uh, that um, in, the, in the link, I think you might see that the link was saying verses 10 to 15. But as I was looking through my notes again this morning, it seemed to me that actually it'd do better just to focus on the one verse, because uh, otherwise I think it would just be, I'd have too much to say and it would be a bit too much for people to take in. So the plan this morning is to focus on just one verse. In fact, one phrase within that verse. Um, so the verse is, two, is page 1149, page 1149, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 10. And it says this, And in this matter... I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. And it's that little phrase there, this benefits you. So that's what we're thinking about this morning. So keep your Bible open and uh, let's now pray and ask God for his help. Lord God, we just pray now. Please thank you for all the blessings we've enjoyed already in the service and delight it is to see each other and the delight it is to be in your presence and for all the encouragement we've had from different things that have been shared and the hymns we've sung, the scriptures we've read. But now, Lord, we pray, please speak to us your life-giving word. Any who at the present time, are dead in their sins, please make alive. And those who are already alive, strengthen and encourage in their faith. Help us, Lord, all to benefit from this time now. We might meet with you, the living God. We might have our lives changed by what we hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I say, it's that little phrase there, um, this benefits you. Now, let me just uh, give you a little bit of background in case you've not been here or in case you have um, forgotten. We're in a part of this letter, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. It's like a little section within this book where the apostle is talking to the believers in Corinth about the importance of giving and trying to encourage them to be generous financially. Now, the actual occasion for this, uh, the, what he wrote, was that the believers in, of the church in Jerusalem who were mainly Jewish, had, were going through a very difficult time. They were very hard up. 
Whereas the believers in the churches that Paul had established around the Roman Empire were mainly quite well off. And they were Gentiles. They were non-Jewish, mainly, in terms of their, their, their previous religious affiliation. And so, he felt it was very important to get this, this collection together to, from, the, from the Gentile churches and to take it to the Jewish church in Jerusalem. Not only because out of, out of ordinary compassion and concern for the poor believers in Jerusalem, but also as an expression of the unity of the church so that the Gentiles show that they understand that they are part of the same body of Christ as the Jews, Jewish believers. Now, uh, and, and now the thing is that the situation that we are in is very different today. But there are principles which we can gather from these chapters which apply to us in our situation in our present time. Now, two weeks ago, we were looking at verses 6 to 9. And we were looking at the reasons that Paul gives uh, for, to the believers uh, to give. And he, he says that, first of all, we saw that, that they were to give in order to have a fully rounded Christian obedience. Verse 7. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So, yes, these were fantastic Christians. They were wonderful Christians. They, were, they had all sorts of amazing gifts and all sorts of graces. But he says, look, make sure that you are fully rounded in your Christian life. Don't just be strong in one area and weak in another, but make sure that you excel in this gift of grace of giving as you excel, as you abound in other virtues that you have. And then the second thing he said, that we saw a couple of weeks ago, is that they, they should give in order to show that they had genuine love for other believers. So, verse 8, he says, I, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. So, he says, he wasn't, he's not commanding them. That's very, very important. Paul does not say, you've got to give X amount of money. I'm telling you as an apostle, you've got to give this money. He doesn't say that. He's encouraging them. And he's encouraging them to do so so that they can show that they really do have real love. You know, we have, a, we have an expression, don't we, in English? You put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> you know? It's all very well to say you love somebody, but it's when it affects your wallet that that's when you really show that you do have real love and then the third reason he gives 
is because Jesus has been generous to them. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus has been so generous with us. He was in heaven. He was supremely rich and happy in heaven. But he left heaven. He humbled himself and he became a man. And then he humbled himself further and he died in agony on the cross in the place of sinners. He was rich and he became poor so that we who were poor spiritually might become rich spiritually. We who believe might become rich spiritually, that we might become the heirs of all the blessings that are in Christ. So he says, look, if Jesus has been generous like that to you spiritually, blessing you with such great blessings and at such great cost, can't you be generous with others materially? That's the logic that he's using there. Again, not forcing, not saying you've got to do this, but encouraging generosity. Now, so we then then come to the next thing, which is what he says in verse 10. He says, and in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you. This in this, when it, when it says this, that's of course generosity. Generosity benefits you. Generosity is good for you. Generosity is beneficial for you. You are going to gain through being generous. Now, I need to just explain that word, benefits, because... I think if I, if I get, explain that word a bit more, I think you'll understand what Paul is saying here. Let me, I'll give you some other examples of where that word benefits comes. The, the same word in the original Greek, where it comes. So here's one example. Matthew 5, verse 29. He says, if, Jesus said, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one part of your one member of your members then your whole body be thrown into into hell and if your right eye causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away it is better that you lose one part of your one of your members than that your whole body is thrown into hell now that word that's translated better you're better off if you do if you if you get rid of sin from your life you don't go to hell that word better is the same word as what we've got here in this passage here in the, in the original Greek. Another example, Matthew 18, verse 5, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone hung round, fastened around his neck and to be thrown into the depths of the sea. Same idea, you see. Better. Better uh, to be drowned in the sea than to suffer the consequences of causing someone, a little one, to sin. 
Or John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Your advantage. So same idea, you see, it's to your advantage. So put that in here. Uh, In this matter, I give my judgment, it is better for you to give. It is to your advantage that you give. You will benefit from giving. And so what I want to do this morning is to, um, to consider uh, how it, we, are, we benefit from being generous. How it is better for us to be generous. And this ties up with what Jesus said. It, we, one, there's a saying of Jesus which is not in the Gospels. Did you know that? There's a saying of Jesus not in the Gospels. It's actually recorded in Acts. We learn it from the Apostle Paul. Acts 20, verse 35, uh, records how how Paul said that one of the sayings of Jesus was, it is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed. You'll You'll be more blessed if you give than if you receive. There is blessing in giving. Now, as we think about this, I I want to show you from Scripture three ways in which it is better for us uh, to to be generous. Uh, It benefits us when we are generous. Uh, First is that if we are generous... We are promised that God will provide for our needs. The second is that if we are generous, we will experience spiritual blessing. And the third is that if we are generous, we will enjoy spiritual treasure at the resurrection. And I hope that as we go through these things... If you are a Christian already, you will be encouraged. You'll think, yes, I really want to be generous because I can see that it's beneficial. And if you're not yet a Christian, uh, the Lord will help you to see, I need to come to Christ so that I can experience these blessings. So the first thing then is uh, that if we are generous, we will experience God's provision for our lives. Now, I'm going to I'm going to do something which I suppose one shouldn't do if one's systematically preaching, but I I think it will be helpful at this point. Is if we just preview before we get there, chapter nine a bit. So if we just if you've got your Bible open, if you want just to look over the page to uh, verse six, which is on page one one five zero. You don't have to follow. By the way, I'm going to give a few references, and don't feel you have to follow references. If it's easier for you just to listen, then that's absolutely fine. But if you're fairly nimble with your Bible, you might want to just check out what I'm saying is true and just have a look at it in front of you. So page 1150, uh, the Apostle Paul says, 
The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so in having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, He has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, So what this is saying is that if we are generous, God will provide for us to enable us to be more generous. Now, if you've been coming to the church a while, you might have heard me warning you many times, and Ed as well, warning about false teaching, which we sometimes call the prosperity gospel. We sometimes call the health and wealth gospel. And this false teaching says, ah, you want to be rich? Great. That's a very good idea, this false teaching says. You should want to be rich, and this is how you can get rich. Just give a certain proportion of your money away, especially to my organization, and you'll become even more rich. And this is a way of of making yourself rich. So this teaching says, Christianity... And giving to their organization is a way of making you rich. It's a bit like playing the lottery. You know, play this, this game, follow this principle, and you'll become a millionaire or a rich person. Now, that's the, that's the idea that's behind that teaching. Now, you might say, hang on, Henry, you're sounding a bit similar here. No, no. There's actually a very subtle difference. Now, the problem with, you see, the problem with every false teaching is that with every, every false teaching is always based upon a distortion of the truth. If it was like a blatantly obvious untruth, it, it, they wouldn't get away with it. But what they do is they pick up on verses that sound a bit like what they're trying to say, and they use them and they twist them. And this is one of those verses. This, this passage in 2 Corinthians is one of those verses. You say, oh, yeah, you see, you know, Sow a seed, they say, and you'll become rich. Oh, hang on a moment. What's he actually saying here? If you look at it carefully, he says, verse 8, in that passage in 2 Corinthians 9, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficient in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God will give you everything you need to be able to carry on doing good works. One of those works is being generous. So, yes, God wants you to be generous and God will supply your need to enable you to be generous. Not that he's going to make you rich. Not that he's going to give you 
masses and masses of wealth, much more than what you need. No, no. But God will supply what you need to enable you to carry on being generous. Verse 10 as well. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God will give you more to enable you to carry on being generous and kind. Verse 11 as well. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So God will provide what is necessary to help you and to enable you to carry on being generous. So what this is saying is not give in order to become rich, but rather do the right thing, honor God, be generous because God has been generous with you, and as you are generous, as you're giving with one hand, you'll find that God is giving to you in the other hand. It's a bit like, you know, when, uh, if, suppose you have a big freeze, and suppose you've got a, uh, um, an external uh, um, water harvesting system, and you've got a pump, and, and, but you have a big freeze, and everything all just freezes up. Nothing's working. The pump's not working. Nothing. But when things start to thaw and you, start, you put the pump on, as that starts to pump, everything starts to loosen up and everything starts to go again. So as we, as we start to be generous, start to give out, we find, oh, lo and behold, God is providing. He's giving what we need to enable us to carry on being generous. And uh, this is not just the only place in the Bible that teaches this. Um, uh, I, I won't ask you to turn to these verses. Let me just read to you these verses um, from other parts of the Bible. Proverbs 11, verse 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Uh, John Luke 6, verse 37, Jesus said, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, that's talking about forgiveness, yes. But there's surely also a material application there. As you, are, as you give financially, God will give to you to enable you to continue giving. Philippians 4 verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's in the context of giving. Now, this is so valuable to know. Because so often we think, oh, I, I don't give anything because I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford this. That's, I've got this bill coming up. I've got that bill coming up. Or this thing coming up. Oh, what, what about this? And people, you know, we can get worried and think, oh, you know, I've got so many financial concerns. But here's this teaching. God will provide. He'll, he'll make sure you've got what you need. So 
Exercise faith. Start to show that generosity. And you will find, oh, lo and behold, my money's stretching a bit further. Oh, lo and behold, this gift has come in, or, or this, this bill has gone down, or somehow things just work out. So, and this is usually the relevance of what Jesus was saying in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, that passage you read in Matthew 6. He says, don't be afraid. You know, you're worried about where, you know, where you're gonna, what you're going to eat. You're worried about where your food's going, wait, 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 what's going to, how you're going to get clothes. But look, your heavenly father, he knows what you need. He knows, he's not going to make you, he's not going to let you starve. He's not going to leave you, leave you naked. He'll, he'll provide for you. He provides the, the birds of the air, he provides for the, for the, uh, for the plants. Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you little faith? Will he not provide for you, who are so much more valuable than the birds? So believe God. Trust God and start to, to be generous. Now, that's the first thing. Now, secondly, if we are generous financially, we will experience spiritual blessings. Now, just look again back at chapter 9 and verse, verse 8 again. He says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So he's saying, look, yes, God will look after you financially. He'll provide for you financially as you are generous. But actually what he's saying is God will lavish every grace on you and give you everything you need to be able to do every good work. Do you struggle in your prayer life? Do you struggle with your evangelism? Do you struggle perhaps with, 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 with you know, perhaps you tempted to get angry sometimes, lose your temper sometimes, or maybe to drink too much sometimes, and, and you, you feel, oh, if only I didn't do these things. Well, here's this promise. As you're generous financially, in a strange way that we can't quite understand, there's a payback in terms of spiritual blessing. And look at verse 10 as well there. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. There seems to be this link between financial generosity and experiencing spiritual blessing. Look at verse 11 as well there. You will be enriched in every way. To be generous in every way. You know, yes, generous with your time, with your money, yes, but also generous with your time. Generous with your prayer life. Generous with your care and your concern. As you learn this this, this, this habit of generosity, God will, will start to pour all sorts of spiritual blessings into your life. What sort of spiritual blessings can we think about? Well, becoming, we become more aware of the love of God in our lives. We become more aware of God's joy 
in our lives. As we have this joy of giving, and we say, I mean, this, this helps us to, to know more of the joy of the Lord. It, giving helps us to dethrone the God of money in our lives. You remember that saying of Jesus, which we read earlier in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he'll hate the one and, hate, and love the other. And he said, you cannot serve God and money. Well, if you give a fair proportion of your money away, it helps you not to love it so much. It doesn't guarantee it, because you might sort of be pining after what you gave away. But it will, it will help you not to love money if you, if you offload it, some of it at least. Uh, it can also help us to, to win us away from the love of this world generally. Jesus said also in that passage, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be thinking a moment about the, the spiritual treasure we get from giving what we have away. So if you've put your treasure in heaven, the thing you love, you've put that in heaven, your heart will be in heaven as well. Now the Bible tells us that we should set our hearts on things above. Well, this will help you to set your thoughts on things above if you have been generous with your money. And it will help our relationship with other Christians as well as we, as we learn to be generous and, you know, we give to other Christians and that will strengthen our relationship with those other believers. So there's a, there, there, there are spiritual blessings to be known from uh, from being generous. And then thirdly, if we are generous, we will benefit at the resurrection. Now let's turn back now to that passage, if, you, if you'd like to. Just look at that passage in Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus says in verse 19, this is page 964, if you want to have a look at it. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves break in. Do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus says, look, when you give, you're storing up treasure in heaven. You say, how do we know that that's what it means to store up treasure in heaven, that you give your money away? Well, because of what the way Jesus uses speaks in other places. I won't ask you to turn to them, but Luke 12, Jesus says, that verse I started our services, fear not the little kingdom Little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old and with treasure in the heavens that does not fail. It's when we give, then we acquire spiritual treasure. Also, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, he says, As for the rich in his present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, 
who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. So as we are generous, we store up treasure in heaven. You say, well, what is this treasure in heaven? Well, we don't know exactly how it's going to work out. Uh, It's not saying that you're saved by being generous. We know that's not the case because the Bible says it's not by our works that we're saved. We're saved only by grace, which we receive by faith. But once we're saved, if we're generous, then we add to the treasure which will be ours at the resurrection. How does that work out? I think there's, there's perhaps a few things to think about. One is the commendation of God. For God to say to you, well done. Good and faithful servant. I saw what you did. I saw the way that you gave that money so sacrificially and so generously to that for that person who's in need. That was great, and that will be ringing in your ears through all eternity to have that commendation from God. Then also, we will. I think we can we can say that those who who have served God well in this life. Those who are believers who have served God well in this life will have a heightened appreciation of, of the, 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 the glories of the new age. And then also, one thing we do know from what Jesus taught is that at the resurrection, those who have been generous will be welcomed by those other believers to whom they've been generous. So Luke chapter 16 and verse 9, we read Jesus said, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. If you've been generous, if you're a Christian and you've been generous with your money, there'll be people queuing up to meet you when you get to heaven. They say, oh, you're the one who maybe they've never met you before, they've never heard of you, but it's all revealed in the final day. You're the one who gave that money which enabled us to buy that thing which we needed. We were in such need. And that money came through to us. Oh, thank you so much. And you'd be welcomed by that person. You say, oh, uh, you are my friend forever. So what we've seen then today is coming back to um, where we started, 2 Corinthians uh, we've seen that what the apostle says is that uh, giving benefits the giver. This benefits you, he says, 2 Corinthians 8.10. This is good for you. This is an advantage for you. This is beneficial for you. And we've seen three ways. Number one, because when we are generous... We experience God's provision in our lives, materially. Secondly, when we are generous, we experience spiritual blessings. Thirdly, if we are generous, we will receive treasure at the resurrection. Now, I need to say 
that all these things are true only for those who are true believers. If you're not a true believer, you can be as generous as you like and it won't do you any good in terms of your salvation or in terms of your eternal well-being. There are people who've given up all their wealth and become monks or nuns but have not been saved and they land up going to hell. So it's really important if we're going to know these blessings from giving, it's really important to be saved through Jesus Christ. How, how, can, that, how can we be saved? Well, the answer is that we are sinners, we deserve hell, but God sent his son Jesus into the world to die on the cross in the place of sinners. If you trust in Jesus, all your sins will be forgiven and you'll be given eternal life. Have you done that yet? If you've never done that, I urge you, come to Jesus today because if you've never asked Jesus to save you, you are spiritually bankrupt before God. You are alienated from God. So come to God through Jesus Christ. Let him wash away your sins. And then having been saved, then start out on this adventure of generosity. Maybe you are maybe you're a 10-year-old child. You just get a few pounds of pocket money each week, maybe a pound or two of pocket money a week each week. Well, why don't you start? Put 10p or something in the offering. Oh, you say, yeah, do all you can. And then you perhaps become a, a university student. Ah, oh, you, you've got a tight money situation, you're on a student loan. Well, just put a little bit what you can. And then you start your first job and you think, oh, I've got a bit of, you start to get your pay packet now. Oh, I could start to, to give a bit more. You start to give more. And then perhaps you get to your peak earnings situation. Ah, oh, now you've, now you can really start to, 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 to um, be generous. Well, this is, this is the opportunity. And then you get to be a pensioner. Still carry on being generous. We need to learn this lifestyle, this habit of generosity so that we can experience the blessings of God. Well, I hope and pray that, that what, we've have, what we've talked about this morning will be helpful for us all. I just want to give an opportunity, a few moments, for us to pray. Um, before we sing our last hymn, because we don't sort of forget what we've heard. Um, so uh, just have a few months of quiet. I just encourage you, if you're not yet a, a Christian, to ask the Lord to save you. If you are a Christian, ask the Lord to write his word upon your heart. So just have a few months of quiet before we sing our last, last hymn.